Mesa. Welcome to Main Street Mesa. This is a conversation with Michael Huff and myself, Ryan Wozniak. We're uh, going to be doing something a little bit different, just a kind of a short podcast to help bring in some young talent from Northern Arizona University. Michael Huff is a award-winning student planner who put together this really nice affordable housing project as part of his uh, work up there. And so thought bring him on to the show to talk about himself and his little project here um, and why it was uh, worthy of an award. So Michael Huff, um, thank you for coming on and talking to us. We recently got to meet each other a little bit at the Western States Planning Conference. Uh, the opportunity to admire the work of, of your plan has been uh, very interesting. Thanks for sharing the document, and uh, we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes in case anybody's interested. But go ahead and give people a brief introduction of yourself. Sure. So my name is Michael Huff. I am a senior undergraduate at Northern Arizona University right now um, in the Geographical Science and Community Planning program. And my work uh, in my undergrad career has been mainly focused around housing and transportation, and it all sort of culminated in this project, the, the Meadows at Schultz Pass, which I'll be talking about in just a minute here, um, which it really just takes a look at affordable housing as a really pervasive issue in Flagstaff, Arizona right now, and how it's affecting different um, different communities, different neighborhoods around Flagstaff, and really taking a look at one of the most controversial sites in Flagstaff. And so it, it's all been a, a really nice studio project to sort of round out the undergraduate program there and sort of launch me into a career in planning after the fact. Yeah. And uh, I know that Margo Wheeler uh, was very fond to see you back at the conference. So I can tell yeah. that you guys had, uh, had built a nice rapport together. So uh, Margo's, Margo's one of the great ones. She is. So why did you choose to uh, pursue this affordable housing plan project? <clears throat> so the, uh, the project stemmed from the senior capstone requirement, which which is just a studio course over a semester where we, we take a deep dive into some subject of planning. And in Flagstaff, housing is housing is the main conversation right now because there's a there's an extreme shortage of housing for students and full-time residents. And so there's a lot of housing going in and there's a lot of residents that are against it. And the the methods of which they're being constructed and planned for aren't uh, aren't totally um, tending to all corners of the community. And so uh, this project really stemmed from the professors talking about, hey, this is a really big issue that we want to introduce you guys to from our perspective, from the, the perspective of professionals and um, educators who have been in the community for much longer than students would have been and who would know the history of it and where sort of where it needs to go and push us in the right direction if we need to, we need correcting. So um, the project was just broadly going to be housing. And this, this one site in Northwestern Flagstaff came up as sort of a, a challenge for us, if you will, mm -hmm. which is, um, uh, for, for some context, is Schultz Meadow, which is just along Highway 180 on the way out of Flagstaff towards the Grand Canyon. And it's this, uh, this sunflower meadow during the summer that is undeveloped. It's right at the, the corner of the city against the, uh, the city limit. And so many people drive past it. Many people appreciate it during the summer. Lots of people take photos there. It's just uh, and sort of an untouched site for the most part. And so it's, it's been zoned for affordable housing for 15 years. 
and nothing nothing has gone on on the site aside from putting some undergrounded infrastructure for water and sewer there but anything past that has been kind of shot down and so it became our task um, to, as a student group uh, just sort of tackling this to to really look at points of failure for previous planning efforts and see how we could navigate around those to build something that not only um, sort of mitigates, provides a measure of mitigation for the affordable housing crisis in Flagstaff and benefits the community around it. So it just, it, it really, the complexity of it and the challenge of it were interesting to me. And so tackling something that was so different so much more challenging than a lot of the coursework that came prior to it was something that I felt like I really wanted to do before I graduated. Yeah. And I would challenge anybody who uh, wants to see how you took this on to really open up that document and see the breadth of the work that's involved. So it yeah. is, it, it is a lot of work and you can just tell uh, immediately from picking it up that you took on this challenge of doing something that went beyond uh, a student project, which is why it's award-winning, right? So um, the complexity of the project is is definitely uh, a good piece. And so it moves beyond just uh, a housing issue, correct? You want to expand on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So Flagstaff has the their uh, urban trail system, the Flagstaff urban trail system, which is currently about a 55 mile network of interwoven urban trails that go along roads through the forest, just sort of connecting every, every which way throughout the city. And um, <clears throat> it's kind of in its adolescence because there's, there's a master plan for it to be built out to about 130 miles of trail. And so there's plenty of places in Flagstaff where it's disconnected and not, not viable as an alternative transit option. And um, up in northwestern Flagstaff, where the project is, there, there are a few roads that have no shoulders, no sidewalks. And really, it, it's, it serves, it lends itself to an even more auto-centric way of life for those people because it's suburban. And there's no, there's no real public transit up there. There's no real multimodality of active modes of transportation. And so this, this project looked at that community. And in, in our initial analysis, it was, hey, this place doesn't have safe, accessible, equitable transportation. And we need to bring that here as a part of this project so that we're not just adding people to this issue and instead just helping the entire network and the arterial roads that go down to the downtown connection center. Um, we need to bolster this, the strength of those and make sure that people have multiple options and how they get around from where they live. Yeah. And uh, a little bit more on the site. Do you recall who uh, controls the site? It's owned by the city. Yeah, they purchased it in, uh, I believe it was either 2005 or 2006, and with the intent of putting uh, medium density housing on it, which evolved into affordable housing as housing prices rose and wages stayed the same in the city. So it's been public city owned for the past 15 years. And the last time it was touched was, I believe, 2007, when the infrastructure was put in underground. Mm. And all that public benefit of those wonderful flowers that spring up every year, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, flowers, uh, you know, they they cause nuisance to people with allergies. I mean, certainly. So. <laughs> if there's a lot more flowers than just on that field in Flagstaff, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know how uh, controversial change can be, and so. Um, that kind of gets into what I think you hope to achieve with this project, right? Is you want 
to get into the community's head a little bit and figure out what's working and what's not working. So mm-hmm. like you said, you dissected um, previous approaches and how did that inform what you wanted to achieve with this plan? So in, in previous attempts and in other places throughout Flagstaff, the, the attempts to plan for affordable housing have been very high density and tall, tall buildings, which generally, in my opinion, don't fit. And, and probably a lot of the community's opinion don't fit the character of most of Flagstaff. And so the placement of those kind of buildings, the structural design, the form of the structures and the height is extremely important. And um, in our case, we have single family residences, all single family zoning, um, almost exclusively around this site. And so putting something like that there is not totally um, viable just because of just the incompatibility of those two types of zoning. And um, just just working towards blending an affordable housing, uh, the form of an affordable housing development into the form of a single family residence community is difficult, but it's something that we wanted to do to reintroduce the concept of middle housing into the neighborhood and have similar footprints for these structures as the single family residences so that it wasn't this jarring shift from some of the more expensive homes in Flagstaff to a big affordable housing complex right at the edge of town. So we wanted to blend it, make it visually similar or similar and aesthetically preserve the meadow behind it too. So those smaller building footprints and putting duplexes and triplexes on the site really allowed us to have these sight lines through the site where we have these alleys between the structures that retain those flowers during the summer and retain the natural landscape for at least 45, 50% of the site where it's it's unobstructed and it's natural like the rest of the meadow behind it, which is out of, um, again, some context, the meadow extends north outside of Flagstaff and into Coconino County, a uh, majority of it, in fact, it's three acres in the city, the site is three acres and there's at least 10 more acres behind it to the north. And so that visually it bleeds into Coconino County there. It's not affordable housing and then a meadow, it's still you know some houses on the meadow and into just the meadow and then the forested area and then the mountains to the north. Interesting. So you got a bit of a, a flower preservation overlay. Uh, yeah. You guys are innovative. <laughs> there's certainly, there's been a lot of uh, pushback just purely on the environmentalist front to any sort of development on this site because it's such a prominent sunflower field and there's so many graduation photos and engagement photos that are taken there and everybody, everybody knows the site in Flagstaff. And so um, there's, there was a whole movement, Save Schultz Meadow, that protested this pretty heavily. And every time it, it becomes an issue again for the past 15 years, there's been a, a resurgence in um, people who don't want it to become anything other than just a dedicated open space. And so it's, it's going to be a ballot measure in 2022. Um, I believe Save Schultz Meadow has gathered the required signatures to put it on the ballot um, for next year. And so that'll be, that'll be the issue going on there, that'll be the final say, most likely, to either be rezoned as open space or to go forward with something. So this is this this plan is really it's set out to. I mean, ultimately, the 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 ideal is to have this plan be adapted into something, you know, with the help of an architect, with help of planners from the city, uh, and with a local developer to really get something like this plan on there to, to be a compromise and to really help out the local community in ways maybe they didn't expect to happen. And, um, but, but more likely, it's, it's just gonna reignite the, the conversation around that site to try to get one last effort together 
or really to take a look at it and say, hey, maybe this should be open space and we should transfer the development rights somewhere closer to downtown where people don't still need the cars and we wouldn't have to extend infrastructure for public transit all the way out here to support this many more people. But it really, the, the main goal is to get people talking about it again, get people, staff at the city talking about it again, and really to try to ignite another planning effort at it um, with newer emerging technologies and building practices and operational practices in mind. Hmm. That's quite a comprehensive uh, insight that you have there that you're not only thinking about the site, but you're thinking about the, the city holistically and then the costs to the residents and maybe thinking about transferring those development rights to uh, downtown. Was there an, a, an alternative analysis that uh, accompanied this plan? No, we, we didn't take a look that deep into it because it was it was pretty limited by the fact that it was a semester online and it was a fully remote semester. So we were we were very limited in what we could do as far as that goes. But it's still I mean, that that would be, you know, there's just it's finding a site that's more central, that's connected, that's safe and, you know, that has the, the landscape and could could be compatibly zoned for medium high density residential like that. Um, but then the form of it would have to be completely reworked to be compatible with wherever the, the transferred development rights, wherever that site would be. Um, yeah. But that's certainly, that's certainly a whole nother ball game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, so we talked that there's a fair amount of work that went into this uh, as terms of looking back at what the communities have, have had to say about the site and the previous planning attempts to plan for affordable housing on the site. So, when it came to this being a limited student project with, uh, within the semester, there was no public engagement that the students were taking on with the public, correct? No. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have had to have been at least a month set aside for surveying and tabling and all that kind of thing, which really just the, the time frame of the project limited us to what had already been gathered. And the city had comprehensive public outreach and comments on articles online that they had compiled and the, the whole argument of the Save Schultz Meadow group. And so that that guided us almost as well as current public outreach might have. And for the purposes of the project, I think it, it served its purpose for sure. Yeah, and it give you something to uh, sink your teeth into that was real public feedback without having to have the public engagement process uh, yeah. wrangled with yourselves. So mm -hmm. because the project was it, it was really a theoretical thing to start off with as a student project. It was you know, what what would this look like? What issues do we look at Out, uh, performing outreach to the public and trying to explain at the same time that this is a student project and it's not a legit city planning effort from the start. It, it still scares people, I think, to to think that, you know, something's going on that they don't know about that they should be in the loop for, especially if they've in the past been involved with a, a conservation effort for the site or for any any sites around Flagstaff. Well, as a planner who knows that it doesn't always take jurisdiction to put on your planning hat, uh, right. I, I wanna I wanna just acknowledge the fact that yeah, even a theoretical plan can be handed off and put into action. Uh, there's mm -hmm. nothing illegitimate about the work that you all did. So mm -hmm. still, it still stands as a plan that somebody can pick up and mm -hmm. put to good use. So uh, yeah, I believe in that. Absolutely. It's just from the start, the point maybe I was trying to make is that it didn't have the city behind it from the start, yeah. but potentially 
if it, if it's seen by the right eyes, if it's if it's valued by the right people, it could be picked up. And um, I, I mean, I'd love to contribute to it more in a more um, real way. Yeah. Well, I've seen you know planners with jurisdiction have plans that sit on the shelf. Uh, so there's nothing <laughs> that, that bulletproofs uh, ju having jurisdictional authority over a planning mm -hmm. process. So. Uh, I just want to like encourage you to think think in terms of even if I'm not a planner with jurisdiction, I can still own this process and take a deep dive into the evidence, into the site context, into the history, into all that, and come up with some recommendations that might win political favor more than somebody with jurisdiction to do this work. So yeah. uh, I just want to, to kind of help uh, acknowledge that. And not, and for anybody who's ever listening and thinking about being uh, their community's planner, um, it doesn't take that, that official title uh, at all if you, if you have that heart uh, of an activist. So yeah. now outcomes this work could live on and it moves past that theoretical threshold that you're talking about. And so it would take further public engagement and, and more eyes. And you're talking about how uh, architects and, and other uh, professionals who are in the world of development bring this to fruition. Um, so how would you like to stay involved and, and, and see that come to fruition? I would, I would love to be on the planning side of it. And it, whether that would just be being kept in the loop and consulted for anything, you know, regarding the, the initial design that I had or the technologies that I had researched and put into the construction and operation of it, or in talks about the physical design of it going forward, or um, maybe if I, had, if I missed anything to, to sort of ask for input on that sort of thing, I would, I would just love to be a part of the discussion about it going forward to any, any extent. Yeah. It's nice to see your ideas tested, right? Even if it's, yeah. even if they're incomplete, even if they're, uh, and, and there's some inaccuracies, those are all opportunities to learn. So absolutely. Uh, the critique would be welcome because it's a, it's an opportunity again, like you said, to refine it and build something that's more bulletproof. So this experience, what has it done to help shape your uh, aspirations for the future, uh, steps in your career? It, it really gave me an opportunity to, to look at something more comprehensive than, than almost anything else I'd experienced in my undergrad career. Because of the, the breadth of this project, there were a lot of aspects of planning that I hadn't really taken a deeper look at than, than the coursework. Um, some of those being construction and um, like SketchUp, for an example. The, uh, the visual design process of blueprinting it um, to scale having dimensioned plot plans, building out the sort of visuals for it, and then 3D modeling the project and creating those renderings with the Google Earth, um, the, the landscape imagery and in a 3D workspace, all that kind of stuff. Those are extremely valuable planning tools because in a lot of ways, a picture is worth a thousand words and in, in, you know, communicating with the public and with really showing your idea. And so, to that extent, the, the visual aspect of planning was something I hadn't really gotten into. And so that led me down a, a whole rabbit hole about 3D modeling and the, the 2D SketchUp aspect of it, where you're producing these plans and physically looking at it from the top down and then superimposing it on the actual geography of the area. And so that, that extended my knowledge of all that tenfold, honestly. And then it, it allowed me another chance to go dive into GIS as well and create all these maps that 
really highlight it and take a look at how, how can I make this geographical data accessible? How do I make it clean? How do I make it easily understandable? And so that was another thing that I had absolutely worked on during undergraduate study, but it's something that it was just another opportunity to refine it through the, through the course of doing, you know, 10, 15 maps for the same project. And so creating like a style guide and creating the same extents and using the same layers in different ways over and over again, that sort of thing also extended my GIS knowledge. And then also just taking another look at Flagstaff's regional plan and their zoning ordinances and all that kind of stuff. It really, it just made, took everything I had learned and deepened the understanding I had of it and broadened the base of knowledge that I have coming out of undergraduate study now too. Yeah, it seems very like a very practical project and one that's going to inform the rest of your career and sharpens your communication skills, whether it be visual communication or even the way you're able to explain things in pretty simple language, uh, mm -hmm. I think is a very telling outcome of your education and the work that you've put in. So kudos to you, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so uh, if people are interested in getting in touch with you, how uh, might they do that? I would recommend sending an email to me at uh, michaelhuff17 at gmail.com. That would cool. be the best way to reach me. All right. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes for you, Michael. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for sharing the story and for the good work and making sure that we have a nice, shiny planning document to uh, have in our awards stash and our archives at Arizona chapter of the American Planning Association. It's uh, been a pleasure to meet you and talk about this project with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been an honor to be on this platform and be able to showcase the project. And it's been absolutely great to meet you and talk with you, Ryan. All right. Take care. Run a quick analysis. Run a quick analysis.